Welcome to Table Radio Season 2. Today's sermon on being together again is from our neighborhood table gathering on Sunday, November 7th, and is preached by Josh Wilton. Enjoy! I'm going to try to sum up the news in one sentence. See, I read a lot of news, a couple hours a day usually, and so here's my summary. See if, see if you think this works for you. The summary goes something like this. My view of topic X is obviously correct, and my opponents are stupid, ignorant, or evil. Yeah? Does that work? Pretty good summary, isn't it? Now, there's a noticeable lack of charity in a lot of the news that I read anyway, and it's often both the source and the result of an us-versus-them culture wars. There's positioning, there's politicking, there's passion for a cause, and it feels like, as a result, we are getting more polarized. Now, on one hand, sure, what else are you going to expect from the world? It's so diverse, there's so many interests, there's different starting points, there's competing desires, there's different visions of the good life. The problem here is that we also see this in a church, which is a group of people who are brought near to one another in Jesus Christ. This is the claim, that as a result of the work of Jesus, there is some unity, there's some commonality that is greater than all of the differences. But what we do see in the church is much of the same stuff that we see in the rest of the world, positioning, politicking, passion for a cause, and a marked lack of charity. So there's a criticism against the church, and the criticisms are often right. Now, the way of Jesus is not might makes right. It's not pen mightier than the sword. It's not distancing myself from anyone who thinks different than me. Which brings us to our passage in Romans 15, verses 1 through 6. Now, it's only a small smattering of verses, so I'm going to go through it in small chunks here so we can process it as we go. Now, let's look at the first couple verses. Verses 1 and 2. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please their neighbor for their good, to build them up. That's the first couple verses. You probably noticed in there, strong and weak. And Paul's including himself among those who are strong. So the issue has been, just prior, matters of, of food and what counts as acceptable worship. And some people are scandalized by meat eating in this setting. And other people feel like it's, it's permissible, that it's not a barrier in their worship between them and God. And so there's a conversation about conscience and the rest. Now, Paul is building on this, at least partially. And notice, he doesn't say that both sides are equal. He actually is saying, at least in some cases... There is a better position. There is a position of strength. Now, strong and weak here in verse 1. We who are strong, bear with the failings of the weak, is not muscular. Strength and weakness here are about capacity or capability. It's not about an arm wrestling competition, who is stronger and weaker, but something different. And in this case, it's about who can see things clearly who has an understanding of what's going on. 
So for these people, it'd be at least one application would be uh, there's a group of people who don't think that the meat is a barrier. And Paul will go, well, that's a better position. But in light of that, what do you do if you're convinced of a position? You believe yours is the stronger position. You're capable of seeing things rightly. And the other side is the weaker party. They're incapable of seeing the good. Seeing the thing that seems so obvious to you, what do you do? Well, Paul says, the strong are to bear with the failings of the weak. That seems to be exactly opposite what our natural instincts are. If we see people who are being stubborn or stupid or ignorant, we want to get away from them as much as possible. We dismiss them in our minds and in our bodies. Let's just get away. And then... I don't know if you're like me in some of my weaker moments. I'll want to fight them in my head and dominate using that position of strength. And I'll make all kinds of excuses about it and I'll try to spiritualize it and make it like this very good thing. But in the end, I'm pushing myself far away from those who I feel or believe are ignorant or stupid. Paul goes the the other way, falling along the way of Jesus. He says, do not please yourself or ourselves. Instead, here's the posture. Let each of us please their neighbor for their good, to build them up. Do you see how this is completely different? Instead of sort of a smug condescension, it's an earnest desire to see someone brought up and made better. There's sort of a patience and a a charity involved in this posture. And notice it doesn't say, let let each of us make the other person happy. It just says to please them, but it qualifies for their good and to build them up. So here's what one commentator said about this. It does not necessarily mean that the strong are to adopt the scruples of the weak. But what it does mean is that they are sympathetically to enter into their attitudes, to refrain from criticizing and judging them, and do what love would require toward them. Love demands that the strong go beyond the distance implied in mere toleration. They are to treat the weak as brothers and sisters. I think that's right. I think that reflects what the passage is saying, to bear with And to build up people who are incapable of seeing what is obviously or spiritually true. Think about that. So God wants my focus to be on people who are stupider or more rigid than me? That's ridiculous. Who would do that? It's a natural question. Luckily, Paul supplies an answer. Verse 3. Why should we do this? Who could do this? Well, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He's quoting Psalm 69, verse 9. Paul goes straight to Jesus. Christ did not please himself, and that was according to plan. That wasn't an accident. 
It wasn't an imposition on him. This is something he does willingly. So we see him, Jesus, speak of himself. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So remember, this is part of the plan. Zoom out from Psalm 69 verse 9, which Paul quotes. Let's read a couple of verses prior. This is in um, 69, verses 7 through 9. For I endure scorn for your sake, reads the psalm, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my family, a stranger to my own mother's children, for zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. Another way to translate is the reproach of those who reproach you fall on me. These are put on, these are applied to the work and person of Jesus Christ. He did this for us, including you and your less capable sisters and brothers. And because of the work of Jesus, we will always get more than we give. That is absolutely underlying this good news of the gospel. And it goes to show that all were at least at one point incapable or weak, needing someone to bear with us and to build us up, which is what we get in Jesus. Now, because Paul is going straight towards the example of Jesus and the natural conclusion, which is his death for our sake, don't expect this process to be pleasurable. He says, do not please yourselves, but please your neighbor. To the point of using Jesus as an illustration, to the point of death. Now, pleasing others is difficult, but is also according to plan. And thankfully, God also gives us some means of coping. For example, verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now, he's writing this at least just after quoting from the old story, what was written in the former days in the Psalms. And he says this and other scriptures like it provide instruction. He doesn't leave us flailing aimlessly. And this instruction is for endurance and for encouragement to help us keep going and ultimately hope. So let's be honest, putting up with unreasonable, weak, unenlightened, wrong-headed people sometimes feels futile and exhausting let alone focusing on pleasing them for their good, which is a whole nother tier at the expense of our own pleasure. So God gives us rescue and example in Christ, and he gives us instruction and hope in his word. And then, verses 5 and 6, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bearing with and building up is difficult enough that example and instruction are not sufficient. So Paul pulls out a prayer. He just pulls it right out of his back pocket. 
He's just been speaking about strength and using strength to please and build up the weak. How are you supposed to do that? Well, this is the business of God right here, of bearing with and building up. And though we all need endurance and encouragement, thankfully, this is the God of endurance and encouragement in verse 5. And Paul appeals to him, may this God grant you, may he give you something, the capacity to live in such harmony with one another. And just pause for a second. Harmony may sound like a vocal thing, especially when just in the next verse he talks about glorifying with one voice the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this word in the Greek speaks to one mind being unanimous with one another. This must be granted to us by God. It is not automatic, but must be sought out that Christians may fulfill their vocation of common worship. God must be in the middle of all this, which is why Paul wraps up this section with a prayer. So that's what we've got. We've got this, this call for, to use our strength, our capabilities, to bear with the failings of the weak, with the incapacity of those around us. And this is speaking specifically within the church who by confession has a common bond in Jesus Christ. And Paul, in his prayer, reminds us of the vision for humanity in Christ, that there would be harmony and there may be together one voice that glorifies the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, it's difficult. This is not exactly pleasurable, though we may feel some sense of accomplishment or delight in being able to use our strength to help weak people. But let me say, there is also some other major payoff. For example, there's the fact that you are not always the strong in this scenario. Have you thought about that? And probably, almost certainly, less than you think. So recall the times in your life where it turns out you were the pain in the neck who required bearing with and building up. And those are just the times you can remember. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of other times where you were completely obtuse and had no idea what was going on and a drain on somebody else. That's just a fact. And in many scenarios, both parties believe they are the strong one. So imagine if both parties focused on pleasing the other for their good, to build them up with the example of Christ, with the encouragement of the scriptures and the power of God at hand, with the goal of common worship at the center. Wouldn't that be great? And that's a posture thing. And when you get your posture right in this case, then it saves you from all kinds of embarrassment for those times where it turns out you were in the wrong, where you were the weaker one. Because you acted with charity and you kept focus on what you have in common, the vision of, of, of worship and glorifying God at the very center of things and as your common unity. And this is much better than needless bickering than smug condescension, than political rhetoric and power plays, and trampling underfoot the freedom of conscience for the sake of getting what pleases you, what you want, 
at the expense of the other. We need help with this. I hope you can agree or see that this is commendable. That what Paul is writing, this charge to use our strength to bear with people, to help the weak, that this is a good thing, but it is a difficult thing that requires God to be present with us. So let's join in the prayer that Paul prays for the people to whom he writes. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant us to live in such harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus that together we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Perfect in your ways You place the stars above And you called it good That's why we praise you Thank you for listening to Table Radio An extension of the life of the Table Church A community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by The Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Light up every path, be our strength and be our guide. You guide